Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Eric, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening? I will do that. Uh, my name is Eric Hussey. Uh, I live in Spokane, Washington. So in the state of Washington, in the far northwest corner of the 48, uh, we're on the east side of the state, just uh, right next to Idaho. And so we're the much more conservative side of the state, I think. Um, we live in kind of a, um, uh, uh, in a largely agricultural area in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm an optometrist, a uh, doctor of optometry. I check eyes all day long. I'm in private practice. Um, and so that does mean I am running a small business while all this stuff is going on. Um, <clears throat> My uh, uh, my practice is a general practice, uh, but uh, I do see probably more kids than a lot of other folks, and uh, that uh, 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 work a lot with with kids trying to make their eyes work together, and um, so that's one of the things that got me started in all of this was I deal with kids. And I'm looking at um, um, I'm looking at kids and all this nonsense going on and wondering, um, OK, what exactly are we doing to kids in in all of this? And um, uh, well, you write for Brownstone Institute, just to let everybody know it's about the pandemic. A lot of our discussion is going to be pandemic related, not safe for YouTube. Sadly, it's going to only be on Spotify because YouTube has certain guidelines. You have to go by any pandemic talk. If it's not with the official narrative, you tend to get banned or flagged off there. But so from your career doing optometry and working with kids, you kind of started to get a lot of probably what the parents and a lot of people started to also understand at the same time is that we were doing some damage to kids with a lot of these lockdown and COVID precautions like masking and things of that sort. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I deal with a lot of, of uh, folks who are homeschoolers. Uh, it just seems to be uh, it's we're in an area where that's a particularly strong thing. And so with uh, with homeschoolers, they tend to be uh, uh, tend not to follow the um, uh, the established guidelines, if you will, and they tend to think a little further outside the box than than other folks. Um, my experience with I want to be careful here because my experience with homeschool uh, homeschool kids and their parents has been largely good. Uh, these. You know, there's there's some tendency in the in kind of the um, um, uh, what's the word I want central thinking world I guess you could say that homeschoolers are a bunch of lost in the '60s hippies that you know and their their kids are named Dewdrop and and Rainbow and that kind of thing. Uh, no, these these are academically pretty sharp folks, but when you talk about things like strapping a mask on their kids that kind of stuff, uh, or the vaccinations, uh, they are just not interested in that kind of stuff, uh, by and large. Now, here, here and there, there are some, of course, that, that do, but, but they're, used, they're, they're sort of used to, if you will, non-compliance. And, um, uh, and so uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the folks that I see were not interested. I still see a lot of folks, and this is, this is one, of the, one of the things that has me baffled is I still see a lot of folks that um, um, that follow the line on this, you know. Now, with the latest variant, I haven't had anybody coming in the office with a mask on. Um, <clears throat> there are a few masks showing up in town, but uh, but there are folks, you know, I had folks just walk out of my office because uh, um, because I had some literature around suggesting that, max, uh, that masks weren't uh, all they're cracked up to be. Um, we were we were uh, uh, um, going through some records the other day, um, moving records around, and one of my staff members just went through and said, "Well, we lost this uh, this family because of masks. We lost this family because of masks." You know, so I see everybody, um, but um, uh, a lot of the folks I see are not compliant. The thing that that uh, just concern me uh, the most, uh, again, is are we doing things to kids? And 
you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about my, my distrust of, of, uh, of people who are described as or who, or who like to uh, um, um, picture themselves as uh, experts. And um, uh, and I and I looked at uh, I looked at some of the things that I've come up with about what we may be doing to kids, and I, and then I thought uh, I went to the to the internet and thought how many how many uh, public health people are there between D.C. and between the state of Washington? How many public health people are there? And and I'm worried about kids and development uh, with folks being surrounded by uh, folks surrounding them with uh, with masks on. And there are twenty six hundred people who are public health officials between D.C. and the state of Washington. Well, then how come I've only heard of three of them? That's the funny thing on the TV. All they ever showed was three of those individuals not out of that twenty six. Well, and uh, you know, in the in the newspaper here, which I which I diligently try uh, try to not read, except for the sports section, uh, in the newspaper here, that you know, they had pictures of some of the uh, some of the local folks, a couple of the local folks, and they're doing the elbow bump, you know, and that kind of thing. And out of twenty six hundred people, and that's just D.C. and state of Washington, so we're not talking the whole U.S. And we're certainly not talking the world. Out of 2,600 people, how come nobody ever thought about what we might do to development with kids? This is this is insane. You know, you said you might scream and, and whack the microphone. Well, I'm, I I think of this and my uh, and my brain comes apart. How come nobody nobody thought? Uh, and and I think in terms of eyes, obviously that's what I do. I think in terms of vision. Uh, the speech pathologists were all over this early on too. You know, you're messing with you're messing with the the uh, ability of kids to develop speech, and the 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 response of that from the public health care community. What does public health mean? Well, I think it means they care about health in in the real world out here. For goodness sakes. The response was what the response has been in all of this. It's been, oh well, you know, maybe maybe somebody along the along the line said, uh, well, kids are resilient; they'll make it. Really, um, that's bizarre to me. Um, and so, anyway, obviously, I get a little bit exercise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. Were you always like that with masks from the beginning? Like, what was your first like first step? I think everybody in the beginning of COVID was a little bit scared and kind of complying with things. Then it eventually just got to a point where it just seemed like they were tacking on more things and it seemed like it was never going to end. And then a lot of the, I would say, miscommunication on the health side of things, whether they were lying. I think even there's an article, not an article, but it was proven that Fauci did try and deter people from N95 masks because he wanted to save them for healthcare workers. Um, I've had people say that was a conspiracy, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure he admitted that on television that he did that. And I think that's when my whole, I mean, my trust was already skeptical to begin with, but that to me, I was just like, what are we, I'm not listening to this anymore. Like there's no point in it. And it scares me even now with people talking about bringing back lockdowns and things of that sort again today. But that's a question we can save for a little bit later into the show. Like, were you just dissenting from the beginning or did you believe like a lot of the stuff, like a lot of people did in the beginning? You know, I'm kind of a contrarian in in most everything, and so um, uh, I think I was skeptical pretty early on. Um, they, you know, they the, the state shut down my business, and uh, now they didn't shut down my need to pay rent, um, but they shut down my business, and. Uh, you know, uh, and a couple of weeks in, I started to think, you know, this isn't going away. Um, the masks that 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 really never made a lot of sense to me because viruses are awfully, awfully small. And and I saw people coming in, you know, with with homemade masks and yeah. stuff like that. Um, all of the all of the extra stuff just never made any sense to me. Um, you know, I was, uh, um, I was in our, uh, uh, one of our local grocery stores and they've got the plexiglass up, you know, and, uh, and it says, 
you know, make sure you don't go over to the side and actually speak to somebody directly. And I said, do you hear that? And, and of course, these are the moments where my wife rolls her eyes and starts to walk out without me, of course. Um, but, but I said, do you hear that? And I said, that's the air handling unit in this, in the, in the grocery store. That means none of this makes any difference. Yeah. And that was, that was the kind of thing with masks. I, you know, we put, we put up plexiglass in our office and it doesn't take a genius to look at it and think this is stupid. It does absolutely nothing, but it actually made some people feel safe. And um, so I was skeptical pretty early on. I opened up the, uh, originally we were only supposed to be open for emergencies um, and then it occurred to me, you know, if I'm driving down a two lane road and, and, uh, a semi is coming down the other lane and that driver doesn't have his glasses, I consider that an emergency. Yeah. Um, and so I opened back up. I didn't, I didn't, uh, uh, you know, I didn't make a big deal of it. We just opened back up when people called, we, we made appointments, um, that we got three letters from the state telling us that we were not in compliance um, and threatening me with my license. But thankfully, nobody ever came out and shut me down, you know, put chains on the doors. But um, so I was skeptical early on. Anyway, that was a long answer to your to your question. They actually sent you three letters and none of nobody ever came up and showed up or anything to enforce any of those letters. Nobody came. Nobody came out, uh, um, and thank goodness there there were some practices in town. Uh, my chiropractor, for example, I think was one who uh, they came in and took pictures. Whatever that does, it's just intimidation. Um, but they send you a letter that you know uh, um, they they have your license to practice, and so they can literally ruin you. Just by uh, um, just by saying, you know, we're taking your license away, and there there was no, you know, this whole thing about being able to face the uh, your accusers uh, in this that was a bunch of nonsense. We tried. There was a number we could call and ask to find out who made the complaint and what was the problem. We couldn't learn anything. What? were i guess your biggest revelations about the pandemic at least when it came from the public's perspective i mean you own a business so you come in contact with the public a lot even if it's a private practice just looking across either new clients or old clients i mean you must have learned like you mentioned about the people that left because they just saw magazines about masks or literatures about masks i mean i noticed the change that happened and i kind of predicted it which was that in the beginning everybody was like we have to get groceries for the elderly people make sure they don't go out it was all about like saving grandma but then after like two weeks, the old human instinct kicked back in and it was like, fuck these people. And then it was like, you know, forget forget them. That's exactly everyone reverted to just protecting themselves. Like I knew it was going to happen, but I work at a gym. So when we finally opened back up, like after lockdowns were over with, we complied till the lockdowns were lifted. Once we started opening back up, there were people coming in trying to make sure people were six feet apart, and they would call the cops. We had state troopers coming down to us constantly, people just getting upset that, oh, you guys are killing this thing's never – it's like never going to end. I was like, what did you experience that made you think that this was never going to end? Of course businesses were going to open back up. I live in a beach town. The number of small businesses that shut down and people either lost th their whole – family business everything i know some people that killed themselves it's really awful and mm -hmm. nobody there's no i guess i wouldn't say reparations but there's no damages or payment for those damages to those people's lives that were completely no ruined. no uh no there there uh there's uh, nobody pays any damages i fortunately didn't run into anybody that you know uh didn't have anybody that killed themselves over this um but, um, you know, one of, one of the revelations, I guess you could say, that I had was, I don't, th well, uh, and I said that in some of my brownstone stuff, uh, I think empathy is dead. You know, empathy is your ability, empathy and sympathy are different. Empathy is your ability to put yourself in the other guy's shoes. I think that's dead. Um, I think uh, that doesn't mean it can't rebuild. 
but I think it's dead. Um, the other thing that hit me um, is that um, uh, people don't think of businesses as ha uh, as being human enterprise. Um, so all of those businesses that shut down ar around you, if you went around and just asked, you know, Joe Average um, uh, about businesses that that shut down, I suspect I don't know, I haven't done it, but I suspect that you would get a shrug and and it'd be yes, yeah, stuff happens. Um, well, so stuff happens. That means the guy who had the business, who uh, is now out of a job, what he invested in the business is gone. And if he bought the business from the last generation, then what they were counting on for retirement is gone. And nobody thinks about that stuff. Um, uh, in, uh, in our state, um, of course, I have a really it it it's it, it's hard to put a metric to how low an opinion I have of the governor of the state of Washington. Um, but in our in our state, he got up there and um, uh, uh, it, to announce the lockdowns. And on one side, he had, if I remember right, on the one side he had the CEO of Costco, and on the other side he had the the head of the service employees union. So they, they handed the world, the, the economic world, if you will, to Costco and Amazon and those companies. And the Service Employers Union, which in, in large part, I think, is government employees, they were there saying, yeah, go for it. And so all of those people who have guaranteed incomes, uh, said this is okay you know we're fine we're going to make a ton of money there was a there the 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 amazon the expanded wealth from from the small business world to the big business world is just astonishing amazon expanded they put lockers in front of like one of these sites in dc or something like washington dc where closer to me um, cause I'm on the East coast, but they put a whole bunch of lockers where people can drop off packages and then something can pick it up and then it can get shipped out again to another thing. So there was a lot of these major corporations didn't even take a hit. They have so much money. What was interesting to me was to see people in like my local area. They were like, we're only buying from local restaurants, like people that are still open, trying to keep them afloat. Like that was a big thing, especially when the pandemic and lockdown was over with everyone was going out and spending their money at local eateries and restaurants trying to get them back and stable again but we have that access here a lot of people don't a lot of people don't live right next to a mcdonald's or they live right next to a corporation and to them that's the easier go yeah yeah and you know you're right um uh, and i uh, and i forgot about that that there were a lot of people that tried to support the local uh the local restaurants um but even that's hard because they don't charge cheap prices either you know it's a lot easier to go for the cheaper one sadly yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and good for those folks. Um, but I had, uh, 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 I had a friend that, you know, uh, sometimes I think some of these people, I should call them former friends, you know, that, you know, they, they go to the grocery store and they have the people um, um, pile the groceries in the back of the car, you know, and that stuff. And you think, what have we done to human contact? It's gone to shit. <laughs> it just it, it boggles my mind um i mean we uh um uh, uh i at the grocery store i saw some guy going in with gloves on you know um uh and uh, i mean there are other incidents that that you just kind of shake your head and and think among other things you you got to think how effective the propaganda machine is yeah that that produced this kind of behavior um um people you know people don't want to talk in terms of of um of uh uh slavery and and that kind of thing in this you know in this kind of arena but good grief is there a lot of difference between that and and having somebody put your groceries in the in the back of your car you know because um you're afraid to stand up and walk in um, 
I mean, okay, I'm done with that one. (laughs) There was, I mean, there was a lot of mind control, I would say mind control propaganda, brainwashing style stuff that was going on during the pandemic. The issue is, is if you would have, if you would have had less people put their foot down about it, like for, let's take masks, for instance, eventually like stores like Walmart, places that were only open because they're grocery stores, you can't leave people without food during a pandemic. Um, They were putting posting things on their signs saying that if you're not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. Well, eventually they were talking about you have to be vaccinated to go into the store. So either it was going to be order out on your phone, but there were so many people that were refusing that and were considering that as a business, you can't do that. You can't force people to do this. You have to take the proper precautions like the six foot, all these other rules that they already set out there if you weren't going to get the shot because they're never going to mandate it. But then, like, like I said, it's a number of people that put their foot down and you'll see that, like even with kids, like, I mean, if people would have had the, if we would have had a COVID shot for kids in the beginning before the adult one and enough parents got their kids vaccinated, then you wouldn't even hear about the damage of mass doing any of that type of stuff to kids. It's just only, it's only because there was a, a lot of people that were like, hang on a second, this is my kid. Before we start going into everything that's going to start happening, let's start looking at the information on what we need about the kids. And that's where people started coming up with like speech issues. I mean, my little nephews, I got in the car with a mask on and um, I just pulled my mask down. He's never seen me really without one before. He's, he's a young kid. Start screaming. I'm like, what? I'm your uncle. Like, don't scream at me. And like his mom's like, well, he's never seen you without the mask or anything like that. He probably didn't even know you had a beard. And I was just like, that's freaky. I mean, I'm not a parent, but my heart goes out to parents. I'm glad a lot of them paid attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as I wrote, as I wrote for Brownstone, the first thing I wrote for him, if we have, I was was trying to remember what triggered me to write that. Um, and it was, a, I, I think I must have had somebody in the office who worked in a daycare and they were talking about, uh, about, you know, everybody in the daycare is wearing a mask. And, uh, and it, it hit me. I, I, I remembered, um, uh, I thought I remembered from college that there was one specific area of the brain that was responsible for, for face recognition. And so I thought, uh, well, I wonder if we're messing that up somehow. And I don't have access to everything that somebody does who works at a university, but you know, the internet gives you pretty good access uh, to to research. And so I started researching that. And uh, one of the things I found, um, and it's based on what they see in kids who are born with cataracts, and they get the cataracts out fairly early you know like at six months something like that um and uh, i mean imagine doing a cataract surgery on a six month old you know but yeah those kids who had cataracts never ever develop the same ability to to uh, see facial nuance so smiling your beard that kind of thing to see facial nuance as uh, uh, as kids that are that are born without cataracts, they also never never get to the point that that they lip read. So you know when you when you're having trouble understanding somebody, you watch their lips while they're talking, and it's backup for what you're hearing. And they never develop the same ability to do that as somebody who didn't have cataracts. So what does that mean? Uh, if we if we interfered, and it's a very short window on this uh, developmentally, it's a very short window. These kids had had the cataract surgery at six months, you know, and and their ability to detect facial nuance is already messed up. And so uh, and so when we're surrounding uh, surrounding kids by people with uh, with masks, with people with masks, are we? Are we messing up their ability to detect facial nuance? Well, if they are, what the research shows us so far, now, some of us who work in this area, we got to figure out if we can help this out. We also got to figure out um, if uh, how to detect these things, you know, if there is a problem. Um, but uh, what the research shows us so far is we can't fix it. Now, uh, just like your, uh, uh, was it niece or nephew? Nephew. Uh, yeah. 
just like your nephew. Um, if uh, um, if we have messed that up, uh, we don't know how to fix it. Now, if somebody, uh, if your nephew looked at you and still, let's see if I can say this right. If because of being surrounded, you know, and never having seen you without a mask, if he now with uh, without a mask, if he, if he would not look you in the eye, and if he would never look you in the eye, what would you say? To, what would you say about that? You'd start to think, "Wow, I wonder if he's autistic. I wonder if he's got. Uh, I wonder if he's got Aspergers or something like that." Well, does not being able to look somebody in the eye constitute autism? I'm not so so sure we can say that. But we may have created a, this generation of kids who give some of the who give some of the uh, um, uh, symptoms, if you will, uh, of of those kinds of problems. And um, and what's the response of the experts? Oh well, stuff happens, you know. That surprises me the most that nobody's more concerned about or just apologizing for, hey, we made some mistakes. Like, I would be okay with that. I know a lot of people obviously wouldn't be okay with just a simple I'm sorry from some certain individuals, but I feel a thousand times better if Fauci just apologized for, hey, I lied. Sorry. And I'm like, you know what? At least you admit it now. You know, I don't have to hear you doubling down on the same crap. But yeah, it's like with the eyes, I mean, with the eyes and kids. I mean, if you're missing a very fundamental point in a person's development that could basically set them for the rest of their lives on just recognizing facial recognition on anything on certain expressions or things of that sort, I wonder what happens if you wear sunglasses or something and they can't see that. They just see the bottom of your mouth. Would they be able to tell like whatever your mood is? Because I do look at people's lips a lot more than I probably do. Yeah, look at, look at their eyes. But I guess, I mean, do, I don't know, would that be something that would impact them at a young, you know, my nephew is like five. So we were in pandemic about three, it was like three years ago, but that lasted like for almost a full year. So he was probably around like one, like right when he starts kind of developing, he's kind of remembering a little bit, I think like two, three-ish. So I'm curious if this is something that we're going to see later in adults, like 10 years from now, 15 years from now. We're gonna have a whole like society that's just disconnected from certain types of I don't I wouldn't say empathy, but certain types of emotions or things or you know, being able to actually function as a, how we function now as humans. Like we go out in society, we do certain transactions, we get a different experience. I wonder if they're gonna have a different experience. Uh you know, you can't help but wonder that. Um, you know, the the, the correct answer on, on all that is uh, you know, as far as how society will function as we don't know um the correct answer on um on are we ever gonna get somebody to admit anything um i'll i'll place i'm not a gambling guy but i'll place money on this one that we're never going to get anybody to admit any failure um and i think part of that is just a natural human tendency that that you know you don't want to be wrong about things but part of that also is you know on the um uh there's almost uh, um there's almost a religiosity in in following experts and the interesting thing is that um uh expert is um well, i don't know if i have the right language for this but uh, um uh Expert is not anything that is necessarily something that has to be proven. It's just something that has to be stated. And uh, expert is just something that has to be stated, you know, in the, if it's stated in the media, then you're good. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, if the, if the, uh, 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 if the media calls me an expert, golly, you know, <laughs> then I'm really something. And but there is this sort of the uh, I don't have a better term than religiosity. Um, uh, the, some of the guys I went to high school with, some, a couple of them have PhDs, you know, and um, and and they talk about uh, they talk about these people who have structured all this nonsense, this blow up of the world. It's probably better to say implosion of the world than blow up of the world. But these people who have who, who have structured of this are 
the best epidemiologists in the world. Now, wait a second. Do I get a vote? You know, <laughs> I mean, nobody asked me about this, but the um, uh, um, it, it says um, one of the things I, uh, um, I wrote in, in Brownstone um, was uh, about a conga line. And uh, I don't know if you read that one or not. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it was, uh, we went on a cruise up to Alaska and this little tiny town. And so all these passengers come off these cruise ships and there's nowhere to go in this little tiny town. And so they just follow what I called a conga line around the, around the downtown area. And everybody goes to the same four shops and it takes it takes everybody all day to go to the same four shops because they're just following this conga line and that's what everybody has done they just they've just fallen into this conga line of well the experts say this let's just keep doing this and the the lack of um the lack of real uh in-depth thought about uh about what we're doing and 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 the effect on others um uh you know is it, it, that's that's a real hard one for me i i i'm still struggling with how with how just again joe average i'm still struggling with with how everybody just bought into it do you and think more I do people have, do you, do you oh, think ahead, more people will are skeptical of the word expert now it seemed like after this pandemic there's been like three things like science is completely just destroyed as a word to use anymore you might have to rebrand that one expert is another one and then um yeah just i all i can think of is those two right now but i think a lot of people have different thoughts on all those now now i was kind of skeptical about everything not just before the pandemic i mean i was looking into like old history stuff of the 60s and 70s to tell you the government's done a lot of bad and so whenever someone makes a statement to say trust this or trust that i'm like but you don't even know my middle name why do i what do you mean trust you if you could tell me my middle name i'll trust you you know line me up go ahead it's fine but they can't do that but a lot of people when they hear that word experts say that's always how they start off an article experts say this experts say that all oh, the experts worked on it the people that and i'm like well that's a title and are we saying that humans are not experts and don't humans make mistakes now, whether those mistakes were intended for a purpose, that's another argument there. But I think a lot of people have changed their thoughts on experts. I mean, did you trust experts in the beginning or did you kind of have this sense of skepticism throughout just how it was getting labeled on every single thing? I, I hope you're right. I, I hope that there's a lot more skepticism. You still hear the word expert on the news. How often... You know when it's uh, uh, when it's the uh, uh, whether it's the inflation rate or the uh, or the unemployment rate. How often do you hear every month it's uh, the inflation rate is higher than experts predicted? And you know, and uh, and I I do repeat myself on this a lot that uh, I think you know um, if I could predict the future, I would use it on the stock market. Um, I can't predict the future and these clowns that, uh, I mean, what do you, do you call 1-800 experts and, and that's, you know, and which line do you want? Do you want the unemployment line or do you want the, uh, the inflation line? And, and we've got all these guys in a room and they'll just shout at the phone what, what they think is going to happen. Where do they come up with this stuff? Um, so, uh, you can tell I get a little agitated about this. Too. I'm with you on it. <laughs> so uh anyway <laughs> um so i hope there's more skepticism than there was um Please. i know i had a guy in this week that i've known for a number of years and and he was he was um artful in his language about the chances that he's going to wear a mask again and uh, and so I hope that there's more of that. Um, but, you know, uh, back to the sort of the religiosity of the whole thing, when people have bought into this, um, uh, you know, there, there's a there's a three plus year investment emotionally in in, in supporting this. And so how 
how many people have the ability to just dump if they really bought into it how many people have the have the ability to dump that three three year emotional investment and just say no nah, we were wrong um, I think people just have a blind faith in the media system still, as much as there's a stereotype and it is true that the media just kind of pitches narratives and things of that sort. I mean, Fox News and CNN turn it on. They're both saying the same thing on different sides and stuff. And half the time they talk shit on each other the whole time. Um, but people still need it to come from a government official. They need to come from this. They need to come from this, which is interesting because you mentioned something I didn't even think about. And my cousin's homeschooled, um, which that should I should have asked him about this, but when it comes to homeschool people being able to type in experts on this and they come with over like a thousand list of experts saying different a variety of things, that should be your big wall shattering moment, which is like, wait a minute, how many experts are there? It's not just the one that we see on the TV, but a lot of people that go to the education system, it's the one down. I mean, there's a lot of downsides of it, I guess, but it's you're getting structured kind of same train of thought thinking taught to you over and over and it's getting shoved at you when you're at homeschool you tend to probably develop more on the line of what your family wants you to look into and a little bit of belief system but there's also programs that you can go online and look up as well too but it gives you more of a bounce around especially with the access of the internet you will come across some conspiracy stuff here and there but you also have a wide variety of different source material and stuff that's not outdated like stuff that's being taught in education systems so it's interesting you mentioned about the homeschool kids because i think they would have a lot less religiosity with this whole pandemic um more individual what we call critical thinking you know and that's probably like that with people that also you know had a job where they work from home or maybe didn't turn on the tv during the pandemic i mean a lot of people started to understand that oh there's a lot of people saying a lot of things and maybe i should just wait yeah i you know in general i think that's yeah in general you know they're only generalizations i think that's true that 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 we uh, at least i run into more uh, real critical thinking uh, with the homeschool crowd. As you were talking, I was thinking of some of the folks I know who are my age um, and trying to figure out why they buy into this uh, so much. And I think part of it is that um, they have reached a point where they're relying on the government to support them and um uh and they they really don't there there's not a lot of boy let's see if i can say this right there there's really not a lot of critical thinking in their lives you know um they're uh they're getting the check every month uh they're they're fine with that and they're and they're also um uh, a lot of them have become concerned mainly with themselves. And now maybe they was always that way and I just didn't notice. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I get this kind of overall impression that, that, that what matters in life is that, uh, is that I'm taken care of, I get my check, and, um, and so I'm going to do whatever anybody tells me um, that, um, that allows me to survive. And, and again, all this other stuff out here, the next generations, um, the small businesses that have been destroyed, the, you know, um, it's, uh, that really doesn't matter so much. And, and that's probably a fairly basic human thing, I guess, but you would think somebody would pay attention, you know, to the, uh, to the havoc out there. And uh, do you think the part of the religiosity that came with this is because it got highly politicized? I mean, it seemed like if you were against masks and all that, you became a Trumper. And then if you were with it, you were like supporting Biden or something like that. I was like, I just want to see the facts. Like nobody's showing me any data. I'm just hearing, trust me on this. I've seen it. You're going to interpret it wrong if we release it. That was their excuse for not releasing data. And I was like, what, how, how am I going to interpret it wrong? If it's like laid out, you know, like just show me what you've seen so I can go with you on it rather than you just telling me to trust you who I've never met before. But do you think it was the politicization? I mean, obviously I there's, think a there's lot some of, the of it. I, I think that some of it, uh, 
um, uh, um, one of the things that, that you said, you know, um, your ability to look at data. Um, there, in my view, there aren't a lot of really hard concepts in life, but there's hard language. You know, uh, if I give a lecture to my to some of my colleagues, you always use big words in a lecture. You know, because if you use big words and everybody just sits there and nods, and they never ask questions uh, and you go home early, you know, so you always use big words. But none of the concepts are really hard. It's it's a matter of structuring the language so that so that you understand it. You have every bit as much ability to to look at data as anybody else does. Now, you may not and I don't have the the uh, the expertise in statistics to look at some of these whiz bang uh, statistical things that people do but that aside you have the ability to look at data and what the heck is wrong with providing the data so normal people can look at it um as far as the politicization of it um you know as you were saying that i uh, I thought it was really a weird confluence of of events. You know, you had you had Trump who just inspires polar opposite responses by folks. People love him, people hate him. There's there's um um I look at there were some good things he did. I look at there were some dumb things that he did, you know. How many presidents have you been able to say that there weren't dumb things that they did? Um, but um, but he, you know, really, uh, um, um, really polarizing, polarizing uh, figure. And then and at the same time, the the um, uh, uh, the pandemic pan, pandemic comes along and that sort of fits into that polarization. Um and um, I uh, I don't look at the at things as as so much as Republican and Democrat as I do uh, the colonists and the Tories, and uh, um, you know the the Tories said you know it's good it's safe being here with the king we're fine, and the colonists said I want freedom, and uh, and I know freedom's going to be messy but I want freedom. And that's my view of the thing. And I obviously side on the part on the side of the colonists. Um, but, uh, but there are a lot of folks out there uh, who are, are comfortable with the King running things. And so don't mess with it because it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna kind of get in the way somehow. You think we're going to end up repeating kind of similar mistakes like we did in the first pandemic if it ends up going back to lockdown or you just think people are not going to be about lockdowns at all it's not going to happen um i think depending on where you are yeah i think delaware was locked down the longest and they're a state away from me so my grandparents live i see that going back to doing lockdowns again it's a largely elderly population there but then i can't even use that as an example because florida was like fuck it and they just kind of went all out on whatever they wanted to do. And their numbers were sky high in the beginning, but then they dropped down because I think eventually everyone got COVID and kind of got over it. Got over it. Yeah. Weird how that works. Um, that's, you know, that's another thing that people have completely forgotten is the immune system and the immune system needs a workout. Now, and one of the things that, you know, as far as a second pandemic, uh, you know, I think, in looking at that, I kind of I kind of put COVID aside because you know we're into new variants and and I'm I'm not an epidemiologist, not a virologist, anything like that. Um, but new new variants are normally less lethal. Um, so um, so with a uh, uh, a new pandemic, uh, you know, with uh, uh, with COVID, I uh, you know I don't know. Uh, any pandemic with a new COVID variant is probably going to be is probably going to be mainly governmental, you know, telling people about things. But uh, one of the things I wonder about is, okay, let's bring them around a real new bug. 
And so a new flu, you know, the 1918 flu killed, killed a lot higher percentage of folks than it killed young folks than, um, than COVID did. And um, so that comes around. What have we done to everybody's immune system by keeping them separated? Um, we have set the stage now um, for immune systems to not be as, as uh, uh, in as good shape, as strong as, as they should be. So is that going to be a problem? It makes me wonder. Um, as far as the next, next round of COVID stuff, um, yeah, I think a lot will depend on um, where you are on my side of the state of Washington. I don't think that's going anywhere. Um, although, you know, um, uh, politicians are what they are. Um, uh, politicians are about, uh, are about power and money. And so if, if the state throws, throws money at, at local politicians here, can I see them, them uh, getting on the bandwagon for, you know, for lockdown? Sure. Cause um, you know, um, politicians certainly uh, are not the smartest, smartest people in the world. The, what do you think the average IQ in, in DC is about 14 or something like that? Um, I mean, these, these are not sharp people, but they do respond to cash. And so, um, so the state starts shoveling money at local politicians. Yeah, then we'll probably, you know, uh, there'll be a lot of talk about uh, about um, uh, masks and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's less likely in my territory than it is over on the west side of the state, um, the Seattle area. Um, the, there's a good share of those folks that did did work from home through all of this, and so they're they're probably just as happy to uh, to have another lockdown. What the heck? Um, I read I, I I saw something on the internet this morning about in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, they were, they were actually having, I mean, it looked like I didn't catch the video, but it looked like they were having a demonstration for masks. And I thought there's a level of insanity. I don't get <laughs> that. There needs to be some serious medication involved in this stuff. Cause that's just weird. So, uh, um, I don't know. We'll see. But on my side of the state, I think there are going to be a lot of people that tell them to stick it. Now, you do write for Brownstone. How did they approach? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? And then have you been censored at all about some of your writings as well, too? I mean, I've seen even the smallest of articles. I can make mention a brief thing about COVID, just one word in a podcast that's not even COVID related, just as an example. That gets immediately taken if it's not with the official narrative so i'm curious if you had to deal with any censorship issues um sort of uh and i was uh, you know uh, when you uh, when you sent me your email uh asking about doing a, a a podcast um you know my my first thought was oh crud what have i said and who's mad now we're happy to have you we're happy to have you <laughs> Uh, so, uh, uh, so I went back and reread my stuff and, and I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about how I got involved at Brownstone and what happened was, you know, I, I told you about wondering about how, uh, facial recognition develops and <clears throat> excuse me. So I, uh, I put that together and I put that together into a, into a paper and about the same time I was writing that, then uh, I was uh, um, in, in emails. I'd get uh, I'd get emails from some of the editors editors of some of our journals that I've published in, um, and screaming about how, one of them. Honest to goodness, he said uh, basically he said Donald Trump had personally killed his friend who was in a who was in a uh, uh, nursing home. Uh, because he hadn't locked down the uh, the world harder uh, earlier and harder, and <clears throat> so it's not censorship as such. But I looked at that and I said, "Okay, I'm writing a piece about how we may have messed up kids," and one of the editors is is saying that <laughs> saying that that. Uh, Donald Trump killed his 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 friend because of not locking down harder, and and I thought, 
chances are I'm not going to get that published real, <laughs> real easily, you know. And so I, I like to read economics. And so I had uh, um, I, I get emails from the American Institute of Economic Research, AIER. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe they'd be interested. And so I sent, uh, I just sent a, a, a uh, query off to them. So do you ever accept um, um, articles from outside of your group of people? And that came back with a, a with a uh, cordial no, and don't don't bother asking again. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, and Jeffrey Tucker, who runs Brownstone, used to run AIER, and so, and I, and I've always thought his writing is just terrific. And so, uh, he had left AIER, and he did something for a little while. Then somehow, I found out that that he was doing Brownstone. And um, so I uh, and I had my, you know, I had my paper all done. I was just, you know, trying to find some place to put it or have somebody else tell me where to shove it, you know. Um, and so I uh, um, so I found Brownstone and and um, and it said, you know, you can uh, you can submit stuff here. Uh, and so I tried submitting it into their, you know, according to their system and it wouldn't work. And I thought, well, there's another sign from from the universe. This is going well, and but then it said you could email him. So uh, I put my paper in an email, um, and I sent it to Jeffrey. And I said, you know, I don't know if there. Uh, literally, I did say this. I don't know if there's anything you could use here or not, but you're certainly talking about the stuff that I'm interested in, you know. And so, if there's anything you can use, please use it. And he came back to me very quickly and said, it's wonderful. Now, you have to understand, I've published about 40, something like that, clinical research papers in, in journals. I had never heard uh, an editor say, it's wonderful. Um, I had no frame of reference for understanding <laughs> um, understanding that language, you know, and uh and and Jeffrey had it had it published in two days, and I thought, wow, well, this is kind of kind of nice. And as I kept reading what he was writing and what some of the other people were writing, then things would occur to me. At the same time, uh, in one of the groups I'm part of, we were we were looking at what what uh, COVID might be doing to things, and we were doing doing the people, and we were doing we did a couple of surveys, uh, international surveys. And so I wrote that up into something uh, that had to do with with speeding up nearsightedness in kids and in some of the uh, some of the other health issues that people were, were running into both with COVID and with with um, um, with vaccines. And so I put that together into a into a thing with the help of a colleague of mine on, on your side of the, of the world and. Uh, um, uh, so we put that in there and um, and I had to the only thing I had to modify was instead of having a list of references, put put the references, you know, as as uh, links. And we got that published and then it took off from there. You know, I mean, there are these uh, I have obviously I have a warped view of the world. And so <laughs> I I'm see things you. and I think <laughs> and I think, oh, my. You know, this tells me that this just isn't right. And Were you surprised so, by the number of people on like Brownstone that kind of shared similar views to you when it came to this pandemic? For the longest time, we were, I mean, a lot of people that had dissenting views probably felt like they couldn't talk about it. I felt like I couldn't talk about certain things outside of my family, but found out a lot of my friends agree with me. Some didn't, obviously. I know people probably lost friendships as well, too, but um I think now at this point, like everyone openly is now talking about, like, I'm not getting another fucking shot. They're like openly saying it like they don't care who listens. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I, I, nobody was signing up to be the first one. I was definitely not. I was like, I'm going to wait a couple months and see what happens just in case someone passes out in a store or something like that. And then after like you could still get COVID afterwards, I was like, well, then what's the fucking point? But you couldn't say that for a while. And then once now it seems like the majority, everybody's on board. So I'm curious what your thoughts were when you were coming across other people's works about COVID and the pandemic 
and kind of agreeing a little bit with what you're also talking about. Mm -hmm. it, it was interesting, you know, um, um, yeah, one of the things that you said a few times there, I, I have to say that the language uh, to describe the chance of people doing this again, when they have decided they're not going to do this again, the language is getting much, much more um, <laughs> expressive. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, but when I when I started reading Brownstone, um, uh, I was yes, you're right. I was I was impressed by, um, and again, I was a fan of Jeffrey Tucker's writings, and so I started, you know, I wish I had more time to read stuff. But I started spending a little more time there and reading his things. But then you start seeing the seeing these other things, and I don't know. You have you have done interviews with some of these folks, and um, uh, and, and some of these folks, you know, they've been in in positions. I mean, I'm in private practice. These some of these people have been at the FDA and the CDC and that kind of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, um, and these, you know, these are uh, in a lot of ways in in sort of the expert view of the world, if you will. Uh, a lot of these folks are pretty significant people, um, and uh, so uh, you start to read this stuff, and you think, "Wow, I mean." It's easy for me to think of myself as a lunatic. Um, I mean, uh, I've been a contrarian most of my life. And so it's easy for me to think, okay, I'm a contrarian. I get it that there are a few people out there that would think like me. But do you start to read these people? And these are these are significant folks, and these are cogent writings. They're um uh, some of these people, you know, they, they're professional writers. Some of them are professional writers and they have time to really research things. Um, uh, with me, it's, it's what is, what is the current form of venom that's, that's, that's coursing through my body and how can I get rid of it? <laughs> and, but these, you know, there are a lot of people there who have jumped on the, on the bandwagon. And this is a, uh, it's a remarkably diverse group um there you know this is not um this is not a group of republicans yeah um it's it's also not a uh, you know uh it's not a group of of democrats there there are a fair number of libertarians uh involved in it jeffrey tucker uh classifies himself as a libertarian um and so it's a re politically it's it's a remarkably diverse group, but yeah, they're not happy with with uh, how things have gone. And it's you know it's always comforting when when you are when you are a bit of a contrarian and you think, wow, there's two of us. Uh, now there's forty of us. Um, the, the one view I never got a chance to speak to about. On my on my show was the person that put out that fucking article in the beginning of the pandemic when they said that smoking can help uh, reduce COVID particles from entering into your body. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to ask, are you far? Are you like funded by big tobacco? Come yeah. on now. Like, where did that come from? That was the dumbest article I've ever read. But people were like buying packs of cigarettes and started to smoke. My friends that were doing it. I was like, look, I was like, I guarantee you in like three weeks, you're going to see an article that says the complete opposite. And they did. Three weeks later, it said actually it makes your lungs more susceptible to COVID particles. I was like, you know what? That one makes a little bit more sense. Um, but I, I never got a chance to talk with that guy. But at Brownstone, I've noticed that everyone agrees that there's a lot of issues about the pandemic. It's just about finding where that line is for them. Some people think the line was the lockdown. Some people think the line was the mass. Some people think that the line was the shot. Some people think that's the line's the booster. Like there are certain things that there's a, maybe a little bit of differences and opinions. Whether it's, I know some people think from Brownstone that lockdowns were good. It helped and they could have been more effective if they were done properly. That's fine. I don't agree with that, but I think everyone at this point, especially on that site, it's just been a field day for me talking with each and every person on there because it's interesting. I like learning about people's pandemic experience. Like, I don't think everybody thinks that the world's a horrible 
turmoil place. I'm a little bit more of a misanthrope, but it's nice to see that some people share my kind of skepticism on like, can I just see what you guys see? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's a big ask. Like we had proper pandemic protocols um, before that we never even bothered using. We had so much about our medical system, even with the shot. Like I had uh, talked to some of the big skeptic guys out there, like Michael Shermer and all them. And I just go, if somebody cures their cancer with cheese, do you sit there and say, fuck you, you didn't use proper chemotherapy? Then why are we doing that if someone cures their COVID by taking a drug or something that got labeled the horse paste? I wasn't going to take it anyway in the beginning. I said, I'm not taking that. I don't even take Tylenol. But the fact that people were shaming other people for using another form of treatment and not the COVID thing, I was like, I thought they were about helping people. What, shouldn't we just be happy if someone fixed it with vitamin D, whatever the hell they take, you know, like that's to me was the most like dissatisfying thing or this, um, I guess this disdainful thing, which was the fact that people were starting to turn on each other just because they didn't get a shot. And I think everyone on Brownstone agrees with that point, which was like, we did a horrible thing when treating people. We made people ashamed. We made people feel guilty. We made people, you know, just overall hate other people just because they didn't take the shot we wanted them to take. Oh, yeah. Real honest goodness anger. Uh, if somebody didn't do it the right way, real honest goodness anger. And, you know, <clears throat> in um, in the medical world, part of the answer to what you were talking about in the medical world, um, we have what is called the protocol. And <laughs> that makes me think that like John Claude Van Damme is going to come out of nowhere. You know, Arnold's going to come out with a gun. Yeah. And, and if you don't follow the protocol, then, then you are not only are you wrong, dead wrong, but you're also risking uh, that that big brother is going to come out and hammer you, whether that's in the form of a lawsuit or whatever, that somebody's going to hammer you because you didn't follow the protocol. And um, uh, and there's uh, there's uh, I think there's a ton of that thought process. And uh, uh, another group that mystifies me is um uh is the doctors who um uh the doctors who still um want everybody vaccinated and want um uh uh and want everybody in masks you know they 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 think that's just fine and and it's and this uh, this is probably way overboard to say it this way but it all—it seems to me like, <clears throat> excuse me, like the protocol overrides exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is let's look at the data. Let's look at the data and see what really matters. And are we doing anything? Are we not doing anything? What does the data say? Um, but you don't—you don't get that—you don't get that kind of kind of thought process. It's follow the protocol. And if you don't follow the protocol, you know, you're done. Um, and uh, that's another one that mystifies me. But again, you know, you, you got to be a follower. You can't contrarian. What's that? You got to be a follower. You can't be a leader. Or you can't even have your own thoughts. You just got to think like what we say to do. It's right. You're right. You're right. And life, life is a lot easier if you go along. And um, uh, and unless the thought process of the world uh, of at least my world, I guess you'd say, will change when one of the people who I know well um, has been vaccinated 47 times or whatever, you know, and either the vaccine kills them or they get COVID and it kills them. Um, uh, and everybody says, "No, wait a second. He had he was vaccinated and all that kind of stuff, and he and he's still dead. Um, what's going on here? And until it actually hits, um, uh, until it actually hits somebody um, with, I guess you could say, with power, uh, hits them personally. You know, is it's still going to be well." 
uh, you know, the state says, let's do it this way. We better do it this way because because we know that they have that we know that they have our best interests at heart. Really? Um, I guess we can argue that one. Eric, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show, man. Um, I know it's I'm, I'm glad we were able to make light a little bit of the topic as well, too, because to talk about the COVID topic, especially in today's times, it's like people want to drop it or, you know, they just want to go back and forth on it. But I really appreciate the time, Eric. And where can people find your links? I know I can link your brownstone stuff in there, but is there any other links that you have out there, websites, Twitter, or social media handles? Yeah, they can. um <clears throat> I have a website and I have all my research on it if they're interested there and some of my COVID papers. Um, and that's just drhussey.com and it's D-O-C-T-O-R, spell it out, hussey, H-U-S-S-E-Y.com. And uh, they can uh, uh, they can see everything about me, really. All right. And I'll link those in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Stay tuned for next episode.